before we jump into a sermon, don't lose the last stanza we just sang. Should all the hosts of death and powers of hell unknown put their most dreadful forms of rage and mischief on, I shall be safe. For Christ displays superior power and guardian grace. Dear brothers and sisters of Jesus, in his name, our great high priest. A couple of years ago, I decided to take up running as a form of exercise. And I don't know if you can uh, tell from looking at me, but it didn't take, didn't stick with me. But I did sign up for one race, one race. And I did my research and I started training. And the piece of advice I read over and over was that no matter how you feel during your training runs, you will have more energy on race day. Because you'll see family and friends and people cheering with little signs and everything. And when you see that, you'll get a, a jolt of energy and you'll be stronger. That's why competitive runners who actually know what they're doing, they, they work hard on pacing so that they don't go out too fast when they get excited. It worked. Race day came and I was used to training alone in the woods and just cursing the world halfway through the race, the run, right? Like this is the worst idea I've ever had. But on race day, I, I came around a corner and there was like a little band playing a song and my family had little signs that said, go pastor and all this stuff. And uh, sure enough, shoom, little jolt of energy and you take off. See the same thing at a kid's t-ball game or little soccer game. If mom or dad are there, grandma and grandpa, and you yell out the kid's name, if they're chasing the pack from behind, phew, they got a little new strength and they chase after that ball harder than before. Even as American Family Field down in Milwaukee, as they start adding more fans, you'll hear players in interviews saying, it makes a big difference when somebody's standing up there cheering for you and you can have a little more strength. Whenever I see or hear about that, I think of Stephen and his spiritual strength. Not that his muscles and bones got stronger, but all of us need inner spiritual strength to do things like tell the truth when that's hard or witness for our faith or serve other people instead of looking out for ourselves, number one. That takes spiritual strength and that's what Jesus gives us. It's like Jesus is the one who's cheerleading us and giving us extra spiritual strength on our race. That's why our, our theme today is this. Spiritual strength comes from Jesus. And that's what Stephen got. As Stephen was, was uh, dying in our second lesson or our first lesson today, he got a jolt of spiritual strength from seeing Jesus. Now, remember, this happened after Jesus had already ascended into heaven. He had left. We celebrated that. Last Thursday, Jesus' ascension into heaven. And so for a while, there, were, there was no physical Jesus on the earth. And that scared his disciples. Because as long as Jesus was around, he was their strength. He knew what to say to the people who challenged them. He could provide food when everybody ran out of bread and fishes. Jesus was their strength. And now he was gone, so they were afraid. And so he left them with this promise. It's a, a promise that still applies to you and me. He said, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If we use the running analogy, right? If our life is one long race and we get tired along the way, Jesus promises, I'm with you always. I'm around every corner, ready to give you a little more strength. 
That's exactly what happened for Stephen. So as we kind of investigate where Stephen's spiritual strength came from, we get to hear this promise with our ears. Stephen got to see Jesus with his eyes. We got to ask, what is his story? What did Stephen actually do? And I'll take you actually back a little bit before the lesson that we read from Acts chapter 7. If you go back to Acts chapter 6, it turns out Stephen is a lay person. By that I mean Jesus did not train him to be a preacher or a teacher in his church. Instead, there was, in the early church, there were accusations of racism. So people who spoke Greek said, we don't get any help. The people who speak Hebrew get all the help. And that's not fair. And so instead of the apostles like John and Peter and the Jesus disciples trying to sort that out, they said, we're going to pick seven lay people to manage the church resources while we focus on preaching and teaching. And Stephen was one of those seven managers. But he also, he also gave dramatic speeches and he also did miracles. He was so spiritually strong that God used him to do miracles in the world. That is until until the church's enemies found out how successful things were going for them. And when the synagogue leaders found out, they arrested Stephen, just like they arrested Jesus. And they got some shady characters to make up a false story about him, just like they had done with Jesus. In fact, they used the exact same lie at the trial of Stephen and at the trial of Jesus they, they said about both those men, he's trying to destroy the temple, which was relevant at the time because there was a temple building project going on. We've got our forward and faith building projects. So we got little pictures. At that time, they were trying to expand the temple and they're saying, these guys are trying to tear it down while we're trying to build it up. And just like Jesus, they hauled him into the courtroom in that temple that was being built. And just like Jesus, they said, you be your own lawyer. Defend yourself against these accusations. And just like Jesus, Stephen didn't. He didn't be his own lawyer. Instead, he witnessed to God. Told the whole story of ancient Israel. Starts with Abraham. So kids, if you're remembering some of these stories from Sunday school, they might sound familiar. Parents, if you need a refresher on your Old Testament history, don't read the whole Old Testament. Go to Acts chapter 6. It's the It's the Reader's Digest version. As Stephen tells us about all these characters, Abraham has his son Isaac, and then Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. They become the 12 tribes of Israel. And those 11 of those sons, they turned and they hated, actually 10 of those sons hated their little brother Joseph. Right? So they sold him into slavery in Egypt, and they got rid of him. Turns out God's people can be pretty mean sometimes. But God loved them, God forgave them, and so he, he welcomed them back and he actually turned their evil deed into something good. Then they were down in Egypt and Stephen tells us about Moses, the, the man who led the children of Israel out of Egypt. But before he did that, he actually murdered a man. Turns out God's people can be pretty violent sometimes. But God loved Moses, forgave him, and in his grace, he called him to be the leader of God's people. So Moses, 10 plagues, he does the 10 plagues, parts the Red Sea, right? And the children of Israel walk through on dry ground, and he gets them right up to the edge of the promised land. But the whole time Moses is leading the people, they hate him. 
And they try to rebel against him and overthrow the government that God set up. Turns out God's people can be pretty rambunctious, hard-headed. The Bible's word for it is stiff-necked, right? Like an oxen who like, can't even move his head one way or the other because they won't listen to what God says. You see the theme in Stephen's testimony so far? God's people can do some pretty bad things, but God loves them enough to always call them back to try to win their soul away from the devil and, and make them his children again. And so God sent prophet after prophet after prophet to tell them that he loved them, to tell them to knock it off. And so Stephen quotes some of those prophets and he says, being one of God's children is not about living in the right city or going to the right temple or being from the right family. Loving God is about listening to his word and, and taking it to heart. But the ancient Israelite people killed all those prophets. Turns out God's people don't learn their lesson very quickly sometimes. So now comes the part where Stephen's got this, the theme, right? God's people mess up and God needs to call them to repentance. He takes that theme and he's got to apply it to the judges who are, who are judging him in the room. Would you have the spiritual strength to do that? If you were standing in that courtroom, what would you do? Did you eyeball up the religious leaders in their spiritual garb? And would you love them enough to try to win their soul back from the devil, knowing that it might cost you your life? We all face decisions like that every week, just with lower stakes. It takes a lot of spiritual strength when you're deciding if you're going to lie to your parents or to your supervisor or you'll own up to your mistakes. If you're sitting there trying to decide if you're going to say no to your girlfriend or boyfriend or kind of give in to what you both want, even though you know God wouldn't want it, that takes spiritual strength. As you sit there and you try to decide, should I take care of the people around me first or should I put myself number one? That takes spiritual strength to make a God-pleasing decision. What did Stephen do? Well, this is what he said. He said, you stiff-necked people, you are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. He needed some super spiritual strength and he found it. That is what spiritual strength looked like and that got Stephen killed. It got him martyred. Read with me our, our lesson for today. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, 
Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. Jesus and Stephen, their stories have so many things in common. Stephen did just what Jesus did, even to the very end. You notice that as he was dying, he prayed the same prayer Jesus prayed when Jesus was on the cross. Father, receive my spirit. Lord, receive my spirit. And when he looked at the people who were killing him, he prayed the same prayer for them. Lord, forgive them. Don't hold it against them. Stephen was like a spiritual power lifter. As he was being swarmed under by those stones, he had spiritual strength. How did he do it? How did he get that strong? Well, I noticed that it didn't say in our Bible reading, Stephen mustered all his strength. He reached deep within himself and that gave him enough to stand up for what he believed in. Didn't say that. Even though that's, that's how our culture likes to talk about inner strength a lot of times. As though it like comes from our intestines or our stomach, or our heart, or something like that. But I've got to tell you, I, I, have, I have spent some days and some long nights looking pretty deep into my own soul. And it's not pretty. And some of you have allowed me pretty deep into your personal lives. And it's not strong. Maybe stiff-necked. But not spiritually strong. It's no coincidence that when we were locked in our houses earlier this year, left to our own thoughts and our own feelings, and people did more meditating and more soul-searching than ever before, we had a mental health crisis. We've got a lot of police officers, paramedics, firefighters in our congregation, and they tell me that they went to more calls during people's self-reflection phase during lockdown, they went to more calls about depression, suicide attempts, and drug abuse. Turns out, inner strength doesn't come from within. It never has. Where did Stephen find his strength if he didn't look inside himself? Well, you may know. Spiritual strength comes from Jesus. It always does. And so Stephen did this. He looked up to heaven, and there he saw Jesus. When he was dying, when Stephen was dying, what was Jesus doing? What was Jesus doing? In one word, Interceding. Interceding. Which is a word I think I only hear in this room. Because when we finish the sermon, Pastor Preview will walk to the altar and he'll, he'll say, in our special intercessions today, we pray for, and then we'll list off the people that we're going to say a prayer for. That's what intercede means. You pray God to help someone. And Jesus intercedes for you and me. This is a concept that goes way back to the very beginning of organized worship. So back in ancient days, a high priest would be 
the unique person who would go into the temple and he would pray that God would help all the people outside, all the people in his tribe and all the people in his country. Well, Jesus declared himself to be our high priest. And so when Stephen is getting his orbital bone smashed by a stone, and when he's, you know, in the last moments of his life, he looks to heaven, and who does he see praying for him? Not a pastor, and not a high priest, and not an angel, but Jesus. Jesus himself, our brother in the flesh, and the Son of God from on high, is there interceding, praying for you and me. That's what he's doing right now. And he started his prayer for you while he was still on earth. In John chapter 17, which Pastor Preview read from the, from the lectern over there, we hear Jesus praying to God for you. We get to eavesdrop on his conversation with his father. He said, I have given them, his disciples, your word, and the world has hated them. We can see that in Stephen, right? For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. And my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. And while Stephen was dying, Jesus was answering his own prayer. Jesus was protecting Stephen, not, not taking him out of the danger, right? And not swatting away the stones as they flew in. But Jesus was protecting Stephen from the devil, giving him the spiritual strength to stand up for what's right, to witness to his faith, even in the face of death. That is the spiritual strength that comes from Jesus. So Stephen looked to Jesus. What about you? I doubt that you will see Jesus standing at the right hand of God this week as the clouds part and you get to see it. Now, I don't know for sure because there are a lot of reports uh, of people on their deathbed, like Stephen was, seeing Jesus or seeing heaven. We don't know how that works. Nobody can really report from the other side of the grave. So we don't know exactly how that works. But I doubt in your regular life, you're going to see this clouds part and Jesus standing up there. So how Will Jesus give you spiritual strength this week? I want to close our, our sermon before I say amen with an illustration about how Jesus strengthens us. And I got it from one of our third grade teachers here at Mount Olive. And she may or may not live in my house. She was trying to explain to her class how God communicates with us. And she said, do you think you'll see Jesus in the sky? Well, probably not, right? Do you think he'll come to you in a dream or whisper something in your ear? A lot of third graders think that. A lot of people in our culture think that's how God communicates. So she used this illustration. Let's say you're a third grader and your parents leave you home with the babysitter or alone or whatever. They leave you home and they leave for a date and they say before they go, we left you a note on the table. It's got the Wi-Fi password. It's got, you know, the snacks that you can eat and the snacks you can't eat and dinner. And um, it's got the chores we want you to do. So if you need anything, check the note. It's got everything you need. And then they leave. A few minutes later, you start to hear your tummy rumble. So you walk over to the window and look out at the driveway. <sighs> Hope mom and dad come home so they can make me dinner soon. 
and you wait and you wait. Three hours, you're waiting there. And when mom finally pulls in the door, pulls in the driveway, you say, mom, what are you doing? Why didn't you help me? I wanted dinner for hours now. And you wouldn't tell me what to make. Well, could mom and dad have come home and told you? Yeah. But it might be a little foolish to sit around waiting for that, right? Because what should you do? Read the note that they left you. It's that same way that Jesus communicates with us. Could he appear in the clouds today on our way out of church and tell us everything we need to know? Yeah. But he hasn't told us that that's how he's going to communicate with us. What, what should we do? Read the note he left us. Read the words he wrote for us in, in his scriptures. Jesus gives us spiritual strength through his word. And that is what can turn you into a spiritual Stephen. This week, you are going to feel tired and grumpy and have all sorts of spiritual challenges ahead of you. We all do. And here's what Jesus prays for you during this week. He prayed, sanctify them by the truth, your word, God, your word is the truth. That's how Jesus strengthens us. So as you face those challenges, remember that Jesus is praying for you the whole time and he's on your side. And if you were in a long race of your life, Jesus is the one cheering for you and praying for you and standing up to give you energy. And he's going to do that through his word. Amen. Please stand. Now the peace of God that transcends all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and your minds through your faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.